All across America and around the world, this is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. And now, your host for today's program, Dale Throneberry. Welcome to Veterans Radio. My name is Dale Throneberry, and I was a Chief Warrant Officer, number two, uh, United States Army Aviation Helicopter Pilot, 1969 in Vietnam, and then came back and was an instructor at Fort Rooker. Um, I'm, I mention that because I want you to know that Veterans Radio is uh, inhabited by all veterans right now. Every guest that we've got on the program is a veteran, and I think that's really important for you to know. It's called, a, when I teach my public speaking class, that's called the credibility line. And so we're going to be talking about a lot of things today. Today is our benefits program, so we encourage you, if you have any questions, uh, we've got our experts in Zoom room right now. And uh, the, the number to contact us is 734-822-1600. That's 734-822-1600. A couple of uh, events that are coming up, I wanted to make sure that we got them out to you. Uh, Vietnam Veterans Day is coming up here, and uh, it's going to be celebrated here locally on Monday, uh, the 29th of March, 2001, it's uh, going to be celebrated at the Washtenaw County Vietnam Veterans Memorial from 11 a.m. till 1 p.m. We encourage you to come on out. The uh, All members of the military is, are always welcome, of course, especially the Vietnam veterans. Their families and friends are welcome. They're providing coffee and donuts for you. And uh, it says what you will need to bring is yourself, your family, your friends, and lawn chairs. So they're looking forward to seeing all of you on the 29th of March at 11 a.m. And that is from Stan Harris, uh, Stan Harris, the president of the Vietnam Veterans of America, Charles S. Kettles, Chapter 310. So mark that on your calendar. If you're not doing anything tomorrow um, around 11 o'clock, come on out. It's a beautiful memorial. And we really would encourage people to do that. As I mentioned, our program is going to be about benefits today. And so we really um, want you to give us a call to ask us questions because we've got a lot of things that are going on out there that I wanted to bring up. And I'm going to bring on our guests right now. I think I'm going to just go straight into the interview. Um, our, our representative from the Ann Arbor VA has not been here yet. He might have just texted me. I'm not sure. I've got to do two other things at once. But so joining me right now are Michael Smith, and Michael Smith is the uh, executive director of the Washtenaw County Veterans Service Office. Michael, welcome back to Veterans Radio. Yeah, it's good to be back and to join you today, and uh, I hope you've been enjoying this beautiful weather. I know. We've been talking about that. Just got a little, got a little nasty today. And also a retired Air Force Brigadier General is Carol Ann Falson, affiliation with Legal Help for Veterans. Carol Ann, welcome back. Good afternoon. It's so great to be back with you. It is fun, isn't it? This is our opportunity to, to let our audiences know what is going on, not only with the health care system, but especially with the disability side or the compensation side of the VA. And uh, there seem to be a lot of things going on out there right now, and one of the one of the uh, stories that I had that I wanted to to hit on it says as of Friday, this is according to the VA, uh, no military.com. This one's from it says as of Friday, the VA has recorded two hundred forty thousand seven hundred sixty five cases of COVID nineteen and unfortunately eleven thousand 
218 deaths from the disease. They have delivered over 2.3 million doses of the vaccine and have fully vaccinated nearly 1.7 million veterans. And my hand is raised for those of you that don't see it, but my, I'm, I'm done. And I think the rest of us here are, have had our vaccines as well. And the reason that I brought this up is that uh, according to a law signed this week by President Biden, he has greatly expanded the uh, VA's vaccination mission, giving the department the authority to inoculate not only veterans, but their spouses and caregivers that are not even enrolled in the VA healthcare system. That, to me, is a biggie. I, I totally agree. Um, I think it's... Um, and I think the director, when she was on a couple months ago, her and Brian talked about that. They were hoping that that would be approved by Congress. The other thing that I've seen recently, um, speaking about COVID and the loss of those lives is um, to putting out there something to reimburse or a benefit for those veterans, those veterans that had COVID and passed. And so I'm waiting to see if Congress does anything with that also. That is something going on. I want to uh, welcome our representative from the Ann Arbor Health Care System here at the uh, Charles S. Kettles VA Hospital. And that's uh, Brian Hayes is here. And Brian, welcome back to Veterans Radio. Hey, thanks, guys. Can you hear me now? We can hear you now. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, I'm telling you, sometimes it's the technology. Um, but... <laughs> it's, it's, it is a little... Uh, overwhelming sometimes, especially for people <laughs> of certain age groups. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers or anything. <laughs> no, I know, I know that. But, but Brian, we, we had, we uh, started the program by talking about the VA and the number of vaccines that they've been able to give out. And uh, their, their newest, uh, I guess, press release that we, we just got was that the VA is going to uh, authorize the department to inoculate veterans, their spouses and caregivers uh, even those that are not uh, enrolled in the VA healthcare system. Right, that's right. HR 1276, the Save Lives Act, passed uh, uh, the House a couple of weeks ago, went through the Senate last week, and President Biden signed it into law uh, just this past Thursday, or maybe it was Wednesday. And uh, and so, you know, we're still sort of gearing up that infrastructure and figuring out how can we get those shots to those folks. Because, you know, for example, um, you know, giving shots to spouses is one thing, but how do we track that? Do we put all that, do we put veterans spouses in our medical record and stuff like that? So, so there's a little bit of, you know, logistical stuff we have to work through, but definitely we're very excited because we were able to, we were one of the, uh, uh, well, by percentage, we were the top VA in the country as far as vaccinating our primary care population. And we vaccinated well over 25,000 veterans uh, in a very short period of time right here in Ann Arbor. So we're very proud of that work. We're really excited to begin vaccinating those veterans' spouses so that every, you know, folks in the household can all be vaccinated, get those caregivers vaccinated, and also the veterans that weren't eligible before. You know, if you were a veteran that were, that's, that's above a certain income, you may not qualify uh, for VA health care. You can be enrolled but not eligible. Um, this kind of uh, evens that playing field a little bit so that if, you know, if, if you're a veteran, you can get your vaccine. We're, it's, it's, it's a, uh, um, it's a major step forward in eradicating this pandemic. It really is. Well, I, I certainly agree with you, Brian. I think that that's, that's, that's really kind of cool that they're doing it that way and that they're making everybody eligible. I mean, in addition, in the, in the regular civilian world, they're going to be making everybody eligible, I think, in April, uh, pretty yeah. much everybody in April. So this gives you the opportunity. If you've been waiting on a list 
anywhere at your local drugstore or wherever you may be, you can now go to the VA and get that shot. If you're, you know, if you're just, if you're a veteran and you've never even been inside the VA, just yeah. follow them up, follow the marks on the floor. They'll get you there. <laughs> yeah. And stay tuned. Cause we'll, we'll have that, that, you know, system, how we're going to do it all worked out. And we'll be letting folks know by, uh, e- you know, we, we can email blast uh, everybody in our database. We can use our social media, press releases, all that kind of stuff. And I'm, ge- I'm guessing by the time we get back to work tomorrow morning, we're going to hopefully have a plan in place where we can, we can get that started. It's, there were some, you know, it just broke our hearts uh, to have, you know, veterans come to us who, who weren't eligible for VA healthcare you know, needing a vaccine. And we weren't under the law able to do that. Um, so it was, it was, it was heartbreaking. And then there were also some stories of veterans who declined the vaccine because their spouse couldn't get it. And they just didn't want to have that guilt or they didn't want to, you know, be vaccinated when their, their husband or wife couldn't get it. So, so this, this, this evens that, and, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to just get everybody that we can vaccinated. We've got the inventory of vaccine. We can get it done. Yeah, you can. I was just in reading again, this, this um, article that I got from military.com, uh, uh, the VA is getting up to 250,000 doses per week starting next week. They they are uh, carrying all three of the currently approved vaccines. And That's right. So you're going to be able to get in there. Maybe you'll be, I don't know if you can consider it lucky, you only get one shot if you get the Johnson & Johnson. So... Uh, Cool. I think that's great. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's very, it's very cool. And yeah, and you know, VA was, uh, you know, a lot of communities, uh, you know, county healthcare systems, private healthcare systems, you know, uh, cities really having a difficult time or had a difficult time getting those vaccines out to the population. But, you know, VA was, was, was ahead of the curve uh, on a lot of this stuff, just, you know, as a government entity, as an agency, uh, you know, we were able to get so much done because of, of, of just the, uh, well, you know, the you know, sort of military precision, you know, the organization is there to get it done. Yeah, I, I would I would encourage people, uh, you know, veterans that are out there, even out in the rural areas, it said that they are also launching mobile units that are designed to get vaccines out into the rural, more highly rural areas and said they have completed over 300 missions and have another 30 uh, planned by May 1st. So, that, you know, they're getting out there in the in a heartland of America to try and find everybody and make sure they get their shots. Well, everybody is really pitching in and, and, you know, this is a, a situation with the pandemic and the vaccines where, um, you know, everybody in the country can pull together for one single cause, similar to, you know, the, 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 the efforts, uh, you know, in World War II and, and, you know, the flu in, in, in uh, 1918, the, the Spanish flu. And whenever we have these national, um, you know, tragedies hit us, it's a, it's, it's a time when all Americans can pull together and get this work done. And, and I think we're doing it. I think we're seeing it. Well, that's true. The other big news at the VA is that they are continuing their moratorium on deductibles and co-pays through September. That's, right. that's correct. So if you, you know, we, we, they, they, uh, they had a moratorium last year and then they came out toward the end of last year and said, OK, we're going to fire up those co-pays again at the beginning of the year. And some of those bills went out. I got one, as a matter of fact, for my co-pays for last year. Yeah. <laughs> And um, and I paid my copays, but the, the 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 thing is, if you paid your copays, you're going to get that money back. The VA is going to send that money back to you, and you're you're going to be in a moratorium until September. Oh, uh, then they're going to want it back again, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, keep your fingers crossed that Congress steps in and says, "Well, you know what? We're just going to forego these these copays." Ah, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that one. 
I can't, I, you know, I can't speak to legislation. I'm just saying, you know, I don't want to overstep my bounds, but uh, that would be something that would be, uh, that would be really something if that happened. I know. I think that was really, really, uh, really great. The, the other thing is that they, the, the other article that I read, and folks, I'm getting a lot of this information off of the VA's uh, website itself. If you just go to their press releases, there's a, a whole list of, of important articles and, and events that I think all of you need to know about. And it's going to be able to uh, enable you to know what is happening at your VA, wherever, wherever mm-hmm. your VA might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's go to VA.gov. Yeah. Caroline has a question here. Um, Brian, when do you think, and the only reason I'm saying this is, I could imagine people are going to be at your doors tomorrow morning. Oh, they already are. <laughs> um, and I would encourage, encourage them not to drive in, come in, to be turned away to say, not to be turned away, that's not a good word, but we haven't established the policy yet. So when right. do you think this announcement will go out when we could start to accept this? I, I would I would like our listening audience to hear that. Well, I can't, you know, Caroline, I can't speculate on a timeline. I'm just not allowed to do that because there's so many moving parts to get it done. Um, but, uh, it, it, uh, you know, what, the way the conversation is now is, you know, we'll contact you. We will contact you when it's time for you to get your vaccine. And then once uh, those folks are vaccinated that we have contact information for, then maybe at that point we start, you know, just saying, okay, now it's time to come in and line up and get your, get your vaccine. But I also want to, I also want to make sure that everybody knows the, uh, you know, the kind of the caveat to all of this is that we're still responsible for vaccinating our enrolled veterans first, right? So we want to make sure we get all those folks vaccinated. And uh, in fact, in Ann Arbor, we've pretty much done that. Those that want the vaccine have gotten it. And that's uh, so I just want to make sure folks know that, you know, the the the, uh, the mission is to get enrolled ve- veterans vaccinated first and then, you know, unenrolled veterans, spouses, caregivers, et cetera. But I can't, Caroline, I wish I could, but I can't speculate on a time. We just don't have that information yet. Well, there's another uh, speculation on time here from another article that I found on your website about the uh, the efficacy of the vaccine and how long do they last. And uh, the article was that it, you know, right now they're 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 guesstimating anywhere between seven and nine months. And I think that if you get your shot in a, in a system that can keep track of you, if we have to get a booster shot like our flu shots. Every right. year, because this is, <clears throat> a, you know, this is a virus. It's not, uh, you know, an ongoing disease that they can just take out of us. And so, um, you know, people might be needing to contact us again to, you know, to get another uh, booster shot for their vaccines, you know, before the end of this year. No, you're absolutely right. Everybody needs to be, you know, cognizant that it's not a one and done. You know, it's like a flu shot. You got to come back every year, if not sooner. Um, to, to get that, to, to get that vaccine so that you're protected. Um, <clears throat> so for most folks, you know, we started, uh, at the end of December. So for a lot of folks, we're going to be probably what mid, mid August, early September coming back for round two of, uh, of vaccination. So we need to be prepared for that. So there's a lot going on, uh, behind the scenes to, to get, make sure the logistics is prepared for all of this. Because then, you know, you know, a year from now, nine months, a year from now, we're going to talk, be talking about okay, how are we getting these spouses and caregivers vaccinated? You know, revaccinated. So, so it's a it's a big undertaking, and I think it takes you know it's it takes a government operation to really make that work. You know, the VA is just is just uh, set up for it. Right, and I, I agree. This is this this is a government issue. 
Um, <laughs> and if, if they can get those checks out, they can get the shots out too. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> so I think that's that's really important. Um, you know, it, it's such an unknown disease, and I know none of us here are medical experts. Uh, you know, so we have no idea where, where this thing is going to go. But it, you know, I think the idea of everybody getting their shots uh, finally is going to uh, relieve a lot of, of anxiety for a lot of people. And, That's right. You know, and if I find out that the shot doesn't make them sick and so forth, that they'll be more willing to, you know, to get the booster shot. Well, and that's that's one of our real uphill battles, um, Dale. You really nailed it on the head. Is getting to those folks who just who just have trouble believing that the vaccine is safe. No matter what we say, we can speak to we're blue in the face with facts. Um, and folks, just you know, they they've made their mind up. And you know, once a person makes up their mind, it's very very hard to change it. Especially if there's a lot of mental, uh, you know, sort of mental gymnastics that have to happen in order to get to that decision. So, so that's, that's really, you know, where we need shows like this, you know, that are, that are online that cover coast to coast to, to be out there and saying, look, this, this vaccine is safe. Some folks have some side effects where they feel kind of icky for a, a day or so after the first vaccine or second or the second dose. Um, but some folks, you know, like me, I was a lucky one, uh, you know, and I'm a 55 year old guy. Uh, you know, I, I was vaccinated and um, I felt nothing other than a little bit of soreness in my arm, just like you do in the flu shot. So, so, you know, just really want to get that message out and, and, and uh, folks who have been hesitant to get the vaccine for reasons that are, um, how can I say it, not factual, uh, really, really, really start looking at the truth about the vaccinations and please come in and get your vaccine. Okay. Well, we're not going to go off onto that tangent of, you know, of, of getting it or not getting it. We just encourage everybody to get it if they can. Just get it. Just get it. Just get it. As, yes. Please just just get it. Well, Brian, <laughs> is there anything else at the, uh, the VA that we need to be aware of? Uh, no, I, you know, those, that's the big news I wanted to come in and talk about. Um, you know, we've uh, just wanted to let you know that we've got planning underway for a summer uh, ceremony for our renaming ceremony to the uh, Lieutenant Colonel Charles S. Kettles VA Medical Center. You know, we've already officially, uh, uh, you know, as far as the name of the facility has already been, has been done, but, um, you know, we want to be able to have a little bit of a ceremony where we have Colonel Kettles family and, and a few dignitaries and, and just kind of make it, uh, you know, a, a more, more of an official kind of event. And so that's coming up in the summer. I wanted to pass that along to everybody. And also want to let you know that the construction in that first floor corridor that had been going on for a few months, that's done now. And the, the, the corridor is just gorgeous. So the next time you come into the VA, uh, when you walk through there, I think you'll really appreciate it. It, it is. It is. I was there last week. And I <laughs> it's just a... Of course, first I had to figure out where everything was. But other than that, <laughs> the signage is excellent. And they've got all those little guys with those little carts running all over the halls. So if you, if you get lost, right. you can just say, you know, you can just stick out your thumb and it's safe to hitchhike in there. Well, you know, the VA, VA employees are really good at figuring out who's lost. You know, when we're walking around do, up going, doing our jobs, we can kind of see in a person's face that they need a little bit of help. So, so you'll probably, if, you, if you're not sure where you are, you'll probably get five or six people walk up to you and ask if you need some help. I think that we'll find that for sure. I got to do is just stand in the middle of the hall and look lost and somebody will find it. You know, don't, don't be dropping breadcrumbs behind you either. Because somebody You're might right. eat them. You never know. Uh, <laughs> and we're sure that all this is the same thing that we hope that this is the same thing going on at all the VA facilities across the country. 
And so yeah. we encourage everyone, you know, if you're if you are a veteran and you want to get that vaccine but you haven't been inside the, the VA healthcare system, go on down and you'll be able to get your vaccine. So we That's encourage right. you to do Let's that. So Brian, just do it. Brian, thanks very much for dropping in. And thanks, uh, guys. Mark it on your calendar for next month. Bye, Brian. Will do. Okay, see you, Carol Ann. Bye, guys. Hey, Brian. Take care. See ya. All right, we're going to take a real quick break right now, and we want to make sure that we thank our sponsors here. Oh, my gosh, I forgot to do that already. But this segment of Veterans Radio has been brought to you by Legal Help for Veterans. Uh, Legal Help for Veterans specializes in veterans' disability claims. So give uh, Legal Help for Veterans a call at 800-693-4800. And the National Veterans Business Development Council, better known as NVBDC, the nation's largest third-party authority for certification of veteran-owned businesses. If you want to work with the government or many corporations, you need that certification that shows that you are, in fact, a veteran-owned business. For more information, go to their website, nvbdc.org. We'll be right back with uh, Michael and Carol Ann to answer any of your questions, and we're going to be talking about disability compensation and some of the uh, new issues that are coming up underneath that. So you're listening to Veterans Radio. We will be right back. Everyone's life. I'm guessing right now you're thinking of a veteran, a close friend, relative. Maybe it's you. Even the toughest of us sometimes need help but don't know where to turn for support. You don't need special training to help a veteran in your life. Even small actions can make a world of difference. If you know a veteran in crisis, please call the Veterans Crisis Line, 800 273 8255. 800-273-8255. A message from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. Oh, what's going on? So what is going on? And that's what we're here for. We're here on Veterans Radio to answer your questions. Our number locally is 734-822-1600. Um, our, our experts, as I mentioned, are here, Michael Smith and Caroline Fausson. So I have one thing I wanted to start off with, and that was in addition to the copay thing. Where did I put that note? Here it is. Ta-da! A sweeping measure was introduced in the Senate just Friday that could open up health care and disability compensation for a huge number of veterans made sick by burn pits and other toxic exposures during military service. Senators Kirsten Killebrand and Marco Rubio, uh, Killebrand is a Democrat from New York, Rubio, Republican from Florida, reintroduced the presumptive benefits of warfighters exposed to burn pits and other toxins act, which would do away with most of the burden of proof on veterans to show they got sick from breathing in burning garbage for up to a year at a time while deployed. This is a, a big deal, I think, isn't it, uh, Caroline? Oh, it's, it's a huge deal. I think we've spoken about the burn pits and potentially that being the new Agent Orange um, for this era. And um, I, I've known some individuals, young individuals, um, to literally succumb to this and not being able to get any benefits. And so I, I really do think it is huge. 
Yeah, it it says that uh, in the in the news article that I was reading. Again, this is from military dot com. It says that um, three point five million veterans have been exposed to burn pits. Uh, yet the department has denied approximately seventy five percent of the claims for exposure. Have you have you both had any uh, experience with this? Well, Dale, I think if you recall, um, a couple years ago, it might be two or three years ago, the big documentary was done um, um, regarding the burn pits to make people more aware. And I did see, um, Michael, I don't know if you saw anything like this, but in all the rulings, everything comes back to money, as we've talked about sometimes. And I did see a piece out there, even for the percentages, the numbers are smaller, but still it equated to a substantial amount of money that would need to be awarded if this presumptive was approved. So um, I, I really hope it does go forward. I, I think many veterans um, and their families, because these are young men and women that have been exposed to the burn pits. Yeah, um, their list of diseases that are that are caused, and this is uh, this research. Uh, I'm trying to see who it says that did the research, but it's uh, you know it's asthma, head cancer, neck cancer, respiratory cancer, gastrointestinal, a lot of cancers here, reproductive cancers, lymphoma, kidney, brain, melanoma, chronic bronchitis, COPD, uh, constrictive bronchitis, bronchiolitis. Emphysema, intestinal lung disease, pleurisis, pulmonary fibrosis. Holy moly, you got everything listed here. And uh, evidently, this is something that they're going to try to actually get past. Any thoughts? Michael, you haven't, you haven't run up against any any uh, these uh, young men and women yet? We, we've had very few of these claims. And just like the article bears out, the, the burden of proof is on a veteran at this point, as opposed to um, the VA accepting the burden, the DOD accepting the burden of proof and making the links, the appropriate links between that, that exposure and, and these medical conditions, which is the reason why they implemented the registry. And they do that with just about every one of these environmental exposure type of uh, cases beginning with agent orange there was an agent orange registry there was a gulf war registry if you remember and the idea here is to get a cohort of veterans who served during the same time served during the same places were exposed to the same things and see if they're coming down with similar diseases and then if they are at what rates and percentages that then the va recognizes as significant or the medical uh, uh, community recognizes as significant, meaning a, a, a correlation or between burn pit exposures and the development of these types of medical conditions. So my hope here is, is that, you know, they, they burn pits have been around long enough for the government to study their effects on human beings and what types of medical conditions it can cause, especially respiratory conditions. That would probably be a no brainer some of the other ones are some of your, your, your cancers that could have other environmental uh, or um, family uh, variables or factors that can cause it. But I, I certainly would love to see the VA and the DOD recognize a list of presumptive medical conditions related to burn pit exposure. 
and we'll just make it a whole lot easier for those veterans who have suffered all these years um, from these medical conditions and have not been able to get compensated from the VA. And uh, treatment is also just about as, as, as elusive because they're not really service-connected conditions. They would be treated, um, and Brian can correct me if he's still on, but you know, there would be co-pays assessed with the, the treatment of non-service-related disabilities, yeah. You could, you got to think about, you know, the military has been having burn pits since the revolution or, or since, you know, Roman days, you know, they had to burn their trash somewhere and it's been going on forever. That was one of the articles that I was reading is talking about the idea. This is really nothing new. It's just that it just got so much, you know, more, so much more exposure, no pun intended with that one, with the idea of of the of what was happening to these men and women that you know it, it, it used to bother me in Vietnam when they would burn stuff nearby our hooches and it wasn't it was a lot of stuff but they would always seem to burn it when the wind was blowing in the direction of a hooches or our barracks and then they didn't oh gee no we didn't think it's not going to bother you it's these are the same people that said oh those airplanes spraying stuff on you don't worry about that either and I, I think that the, I don't know if it's it's a change in direction that the VA is becoming more cognizant of these diseases or they're being pushed to cover more of them or or what. But it seems like under the last administration and under this current administration that that seems to be the message that is going to the VA. Make these decisions and make them fairly so that these men and women can get treated for these things that they would never have been exposed to if they'd been civilians. Yeah, we're not we're not talking about um, you know burning trash. I no, mean, I know, I know. Talking about these these burn pits, they're they're burning computers, computer <laughs> monitors, computer logic modules, um, vehicles, including you know engines, tires. So you're talking about metal, wood. Airborne particulates, that's the, the concern about these respiratory issues and cancerous issues, is the airborne particulates that are released when you burn a computer. So it's, 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 it's yeah, you're right. It has been going on since mankind has done warfare. But, I, you know, I, I don't know if we were burning uh, computers back in, in uh, World War II and during World War I, as prevalent as we're burning them now in these 10-acre burn pits. I mean, these are really large. I mean, these aren't, you know, these aren't like the little poop buckets, you know, the 55 <laughs> gallon drums that you guys are burning in Vietnam. We're talking about acres and acres of land that's on fire that they just literally go and they dump stuff into and burn it. Well, and that's. And, and Michael, you're right on because I think this is um, really grown. Um, you know, so history had the burn pits. But what occurred in this campaign, and they went out and got a contract, and I don't want to get into the controversy, but I think what it's heightened the awareness is they went out, got a contract to do incinerators the correct way and to burn this properly, and then the burn pits really developed, and uh the, the incinerator of the of all of these agents never occurred. And so um, I think it is our um, responsibility to take care of this generation with these burn pits and what's occurred. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that it's really important that we pay attention to all these things that are going on out there. So this, this 
as we have done with the Agent Orange, which is, you know, you've been finding it over 50 years. They continually add new presumptive um, diseases that are caused by exposure to these things. Um, I'm glad to see that these are occurring in a shorter time period, and hopefully, hopefully they'll be taken care of. I, I know that there are stories out there that um, you know people I have talked with on the air doing programs on burn pits, and probably some people that you have talked to that you know can't figure out why they can't breathe, and yeah. it's you know and it's nothing in their in their regular daily lifestyle that that should cause those problems for them. Um, I just don't understand. <laughs> it's the same old question. I just don't understand. I think I, I I think we have to do the right thing, and that's that's up to us here. You know, this is our. You know, we could like to say you know we're the voice of America's veterans, and one of the reasons that we are the voice of America's uh, veterans is that we can get these words out. You know, and if you're upset by this or you've been exposed, please contact your congressman, your congresswoman, your senators. Uh, let them know how you feel about these things, because that's really what gets their attention is uh, when you actually make a call to their office. I'm always surprised about how fast you get a response when you take the time to make a personal call to some of these uh, legislators and to get them to respond back to you. Um, is there anything else that is, uh, that's going on out there that you are aware of? Well, I think um, we've talked in several of the... Um of our veterans programs. Um, I got an article the other day, March 23rd, about the VA hopes to reduce the disability claims backlog by the fall. But one of the elements that's real critical is in making that decision, those veterans that need their exams. And so whether the exams are gonna be administered and they're starting to open it up more, either through a contractor or bringing you in through the VA um, a VA medical center for the comp and pen, but they are trying to robust those numbers. Um, apparently right now they, they are estimating they have a backlog about 350,000. Now that's a backlog, but that's not what they're doing monthly. Um, maybe some of the uh, VAs are doing 20,000 exams a month. So this is on top of that. Um, so they're trying to ramp up and get more exams done so that decisions could be made for our veterans. But I know that has been a problem. We're very fortunate once again here in Michigan. I know they opened up, they're doing CMP exams, whether they're the Zooms um, over the phone, you know, discussing with um, those veterans. But in some places around the country, they still haven't opened them up. And so um, I'm, I'm glad that the VA is looking at that. Yeah, it, it, it's, it certainly is a, an issue that needs to be taken care of. Uh, you know, the backlogs that we heard about in the past, you know, were winnered, winnowed, lowered, I guess would be there, the term. Um, and then it kind of popped back up again, obviously due to the pandemic. And uh, the, the idea of outsourcing some of these um, evaluations. That makes me a little nervous though. I'm wondering if they're, you know, sometimes the third party uh, people might be given uh, instructions. I'm going into a dark area here. I realize that, <laughs> no, don't, yeah, don't VA be- already uses, the, the VA already has used contractors over the last 
I would say six to seven years. They use VES, QTC, and LHI oh, as contractors to assist in the compensation and pension examination area. And believe it or not, I, I, and General Fasson, you can speak on it if, if you want, but I, I'd say that um, our veterans have better success with the civilian contractors in terms of verifying diagnoses, documenting how disabling it is, and rendering opinions that are favorable to veterans about the origins of their current disabilities and their relationship to uh, military service. Um, where we still have problems is whenever we have a, a veteran that gets an exam over at the VA's compensation and pension exam section there on Packard Road, um, we have had unfortunately some some not so good outcomes that we've, that we've had to appeal and we're, we're fortunate enough to have new exams ordered through the contractors um, and, 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 and those claims being turned around for the good for the veterans. Um, so I, I, I'm not, you know, if the VA is trying to, is saying that the reason why they're backlogged in claims, which is what their, their excuse always is, is because of examinations then what they need to do is instead of ordering more examinations, they need to start using the disability benefits questionnaire the way it was intended when it was first created, which is make VA doctors fill out a DBQ so they don't have to have to go to a doggone C&P examination. Correct. That would be nice. I, I, in fact, I asked an unknown doctor uh, just the other uh, last week or so. I said, can you write a letter to do something? She says, no, I'm not supposed to. Right. Right. And, and they they won't give an opinion. They won't write that. I, it, and it's it's mind-boggling sometimes. Michael, I want to go back on your statement, and you're absolutely correct. But I think it's it's us out there um, that we've caught sometimes some issues, and we've talked about it before. Where a PTSD exam, um, some of those exams could only be done by one or two um, providers. Um, certain providers can only do certain contracts. So an orthopod or a family practice shouldn't be doing all these exams. So I think lining up the right people and making sure that that was done. And if it wasn't, then call it on it and reschedule another exam. <laughs> Getting those exams, that's... I, I, I was thinking, you know, because, again, we've had a year of uh you know this pandemic where no exams were done and then they were doing some by phone and then they were doing some on zoom and uh you know now they're going to be trying to play catch up i, I think it's going to be uh interesting to see how that comes about but it, at least if you can get the idea and, and i encourage our audience here to to find out who your vsos are your veteran service organization um that that can help you with the claim whether it's you know legal help for veterans or your or your local um Veteran Service Office, County Service Office, or the American Legion, VVA, whatever it happens to be, is to just keep them, keep them pushing. Um, once you've filed your claim, I would strongly suggest don't just walk away from it. If you haven't heard anything, you know, in you know in a month, contact a person who filed a claim and just say, hey, is anything going on? Maybe they, you know, at least they can alleviate some of your anxiety uh, about what has happened. And I'm sure that both of you hear from your clients on a, some of them on a, probably a daily basis, but, uh, uh, you know, they're just concerned. And then, you know, they've heard the stories about how, how 
you know, how things get lost and reports get lost and, and, and so forth. And, you know, nobody ever gets back to them. So I encourage you out there to, you know, look around for the VSO that can help you out with these types of things. I need to take another real quick break. Um, when we come back, I, uh, uh, General Falcone, I want to talk about the uh, VA Center for uh, Trailblazers, Women Trailblazers. All right. So this portion of Veterans Radio was brought to you by the Eisenhower Center, the Eisenhower Center here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, they have a special impact program that goes beyond awareness campaigns and state of the art imaging to help veterans, first responders and athletes who have suffered a TBI or post-traumatic stress. And uh, you can go to Eisenhower.com for more information. Uh, VetBiz Central is a, it's an organization here in Michigan especially that is veterans helping veterans, assisting vet, uh, veterans, active duty guard and reserve members in the formation and expansion of their businesses. For more information, you can go to vetbizcentral.com. As I say, for more information, this is a, a regional program, but there are other VetBiz organizations around the country. It's uh, done in conjunction with the Small Business Administration. So as I said, go to VetBiz Central for more information. And, of course, the Charles S. Kettles VA Medical Center, as we have already talked about here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, for their sponsorship and support of Veterans Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. Medal of Honor is the highest award for valor in combat given a member of the Armed Forces of the United States. There have been over 3,400 recipients of the nation's highest award. This is one. Corporal Dwayne Dewey was the leader of a machine gun squad in Korea when it was overrun. Details after this. Carrying their machine guns, Dewey and his men fell back, fighting on exposed ground. Dewey fired his gun so fast he feared the barrel would melt. Seeing that he had only three cans of ammunition left, he ran to another machine gun for more. On his way back, a grenade exploded at his feet, knocking him down. Bleeding heavily from thigh to groin, he lay on the ground waiting. A medic knelt over him to remove his blood-soaked pants when another grenade hit the ground beside them. Dewey grabbed it, tucked it underneath him, pulled the medic to the ground yelling, Hit the dirt, Doc! The grenade exploded, but the medic was unharmed. Dewey was taken back to an aid station where doctors found that in addition to shrapnel from the grenades, he also had taken a bullet in the stomach. On March 12, 1953, President Eisenhower presented him the Medal of Honor saying, You must have a body of steel. The Medal of Honor series is a production of Veterans Radio. Are you a veteran or a military spouse interested in starting or growing an existing business? Then you want to connect with VetBiz Central, Michigan's only veteran business resource center, providing free one-on-one -on -one business counseling services, including research plans and preparing veterans to be lender ready. If you're in business, VetBiz Central offers comprehensive strategic marketing strategies to help you connect to corporations. They are one of 20 centers nationwide devoted to veteran business development through the U.S. Small Business Administration Office of Veteran Business Development. Vets helping vets. Visit their website at VetBizCentral.org or Call 810-767-VETS. Hi, this is Mitch Album, author of Tuesdays with Maury and the first phone call from heaven. Thousands of veterans are homeless and living on the streets of our nation tonight. Streets where they've been beaten, robbed, even killed. Let's take care of our own. Please join me in housing 1,000 veterans as fast as possible. Make a pledge to veteransmatter.org. Text VETS to 41444 and pledge any amount. Veterans Matter.
And we are also, uh, as I mentioned, talking with Michael Smith. I've got to learn to turn up my microphone when I turn it off. The, uh, <laughs> this is what happens when we have live radio, folks. The, um, the Michael Smith, Executive Director of the Washtenaw County Veterans Service Office, and Caroline Fausson from Legal Help for Veterans. Um, that a PSA that just played for Veterans Matter, they're asking to house 1,000 veterans. Well, their number now is up over 3,000. So we are uh, anxious for you to uh, go check out veteransmatter.org. It's a, it's a way of helping veterans. What they do is they provide the um, funding to get the veteran into a new apartment or somewhere along those lines. The VA can, will pay for the apartment, but for some reason there's not enough money in there to pay for the um, you know, the deposits and so forth that you need to move into an apartment. So that's what Veterans Matter does. Yeah, they're up over 3000 That's really awesome there. So we would encourage you to check them out. All right. So, um, Carol Ann, I, I, the article that I, I copied off of the VA website was about, says the annual VA Center for Women Veteran Campaign Highlights Trailblazers. Can you tell me what that was about? Sure. Um, there was a call um, several months ago um, from the VA to nominate um, women um, around the country who have served um, in the VA or um, that are veterans themselves that continue to make a difference um, in the VA system. And so um, the list have just come out. Um, very proud to say that um, our Director of Veterans Affairs, Michigan Veterans Affairs, Zanita, is one of those that was uh, just recognized as a trailblazer for, I believe it's for 2021. It's awesome. And so the, I, it, when Brian was here, he was talking about the new entrance to the Ann Arbor VA, and there's an entire women's clinic. Yes. On the left-hand side as you go in now. I think that's really great. I, I think it's, you know, it's a long time coming. Um, we, our numbers are increasing, um, female participation, um, not only militarily, but that are working in the VA, critical positions. Um, and, and I think it's really great that we are recognized as a part of the team. Um, and so this, this was a great program and uh, congratulations to all the trailblazers. I would encourage people to go to the um, uh, va.gov website and you can find this information under press releases and it lists all of the women the 27 women and what they have done to deserve these particular awards. Uh, it also points out that uh, the women veterans are the largest, fastest growing demographic within the VA and expected to reach nearly 20% of the veteran population by the year 2045. And I also um, would like to, to say that uh, our own Caroline Fausson was nominated for this, but didn't make the final cut, kind of like Michigan's basketball team. You know, did, the women's basketball team didn't quite get there. And uh, so congratulations, even just to be considered, be, be, considering all, all the work that you've done over the years as, a, as you know, in the military and as a veterans advocate. Thank you for that. Um, it's been my honor. It was a great honor to be nominated. Um, I think I said to you, um, and, and I believe this, I, these are young women that are in the system today. Um, I'm so proud that I believe my services continue being at Legal Help for Veterans, helping our veterans get their disability benefits out there, being on 
Veterans Radio with Michael and you um, is real important because we are educating. We're educating the veterans out there and their families for potential benefits. So um, I'm really honored to be a part of, of this system. Thank you. You're always a winner in our minds. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Michael, I was going to ask you, uh, uh, what types of claims are you, are you coming up against right now? Is there any pattern to them or are they, they kind of people that are coming in with new things? Well, what we typically see, Dale, are um, a greater majority of our customers are Vietnam era veterans who are unfortunately being diagnosed for the first time with any one or more of the presumptive conditions related to herbicide exposure. Um, we're seeing a lot of Camp Lejeune uh, cases and Blue Water Navy vet cases both for survivors and the the veterans themselves applying for benefits so th th i'd say that combination of the presumptive conditions related to herbicide exposure uh, whether it's um, on the land vietnam veterans blue water navy veterans and then seeing a lot of camp lejeune uh, contaminated water presumptive conditions for both survivors and veterans is there a i know we've talked about this before but if if somebody passed away from a presumptive condition before they'd even filed a claim, is there anything that their families can do? Yes. So um, that's a misnomer um, that a veteran has to establish a service-related disability before his or her death in order for benefits to be available for a survivor. That's not true. A lot of veterans are unaware of a lot of the law changes going on there there's there there could be some blue believe it or not there could be some blue water navy veterans vietnam veterans who do not know that the law changed or may not have access or the ability to file a claim for disabilities related to herbicide exposure well if that let's just go with that example if that blue water uh navy vietnam veteran passes away and his or her spouse files for benefits and a very sharp <laughs> County Veteran Service Officer or a service officer for any one of our uh, veteran service organization partners or a state veteran service officer looks at that death certificate and sees a condition that's related to herbicide exposure, which is what we do. And then we look at a veteran's military service record and we start digging down deep and we establish that that veteran was exposed. We're going to file that claim for what's called dependency indemnity compensation for the surviving spouse as well as a service-related burial reimbursement, which is $2,000 as opposed to the smaller amount for the non-service-connected disability um, or, or the non-service-connected um, pension or um, burial allowance. So, what, yes. so, are, are, so yes, they don't have to have it established before they pass away for us to be able to get benefits for the survivors. Okay, is, is that based on the percentage that the veteran would have gotten? So if, if, if somebody... No, the, no, dependency indemnity compensation is again is a is a flat rate that the Congress establishes that they claim is the compensation sufficient to pay survivors if their loved ones, their veterans, pass away as a result of a dis of a service related disability or not, or was service connected long enough to pass away from something else, but then they're entitled to that. Um, that's the other thing is that people mistaken is that they think that. The disability compensation pay scale is a certain dis, uh, percentage of our military pay scale, and it's not. 
Likewise, people think that dependency indemnity compensation is somehow derived from the percentages of disability that a veteran gets, and that's not true. It's just a flat rate that the VA pays. What is that rate right now? Do you know off, offhand? Oh, uh, no, not at the top of my head. It's probably, I want to say it's a little bit over $1,300. Okay. And then with the additional benefit that some surviving spouses can get paid, the two combined would be about $1,600 a month, a little bit over $1,600 a month. Well, I think that's, that's important to point this out. I'm, I'm even thinking about a friend of mine who passed away almost 10 years ago of a cancer that was just added to the list of presumptives. And, you know, going back to his spouse and saying, hey, let's see if we can get something here, you know. Yep. Art, his, art, you know, art did not die in vain. If his surviving spouse has remained unremarried, she is or he is eligible to apply for dependency indemnity compensation. Yes. Okay. Uh, Carol Ann, we've got about four minutes to go here. Yep, <laughs> four minutes. Um, what What have you been hearing at uh, Legal Help for Veterans lately? Well, I I think we've been getting. Um, some claims um, adjudicated and some decisions coming in that have been, you know, a couple years old. And I think they're trying to address these backlogs. Um, uh, more of the more of the ROs, regional offices around the country, because that's what's happening when you know the queue could pull anybody from Michigan, and you're talking to Roanoke or you know um, even San Juan on one of our cases. They're, I think they're really trying, but we've got to keep in mind, sometimes it's difficult. Most of them are working from home. So trying to get something moved, um, you know, you're sending seven or eight emails and you're trying to call them and the follow through is, uh, you know, sometimes gets frustrating, but we don't give up because we're fighting for our veterans. So I would tell our veterans to call us, um, call, great county counselors like Michael Smith, because you're right, he's, the experience is really important to pick up on some of these claims instead of saying, nope, the veteran died, um, don't go after anything. We really do try to give our vet veterans and their families hope that there might be something out there. Well, I think it's, it's really important that we, you know, we continue getting this word out to people and that we have this forum every month. It's always on the last Sunday of the month and we are here to answer your questions. So please, if you do have a question, here's your opportunity to find out what is going on. And we uh, want to thank uh, Michael and Carol Ann for being on the program this week. We hope that you have a stay well and stay safe and we'll all be back here at the end of April. Yeah. Awesome. All righty. Okay. I want to thank everybody for listening to Veterans Radio today. We've been excited to have you on with us, and we wanted to make sure that we can uh, talk to you about a couple of things. Number one is that is I wanted to remind you that the Vietnam Veterans Day is coming up here in the Ann Arbor area, and I want you to look at that. It's uh, tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the uh, Washtenaw County Vietnam Veterans Memorial. Uh, the other thing is, is that uh, you can follow Veterans Radio on many, many platforms now. We are on four commercial stations, and we are now on a, on an organization called the Veterans Channel. 
and that's veteranschannel.com. You can go there, and there are veteran stories from all over the country. There are videos and radio shows and a lot of, of great things for you. Uh, the other thing is you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you have a story or a program that you'd like us to talk about, please contact me. That's dale at veteransradio.net. And we'll do everything we can to get that story on. If you're interested in producing a story, want to be on the air, contact me. We're always looking for contributors. So, again, this is Dale Throneberry. This is Veterans Radio. Until next week, you are dismissed. <laughs>